Hey dolls. Hey dolls. This is Cynthia. And Paula. And we are Dolls in Doom. This week, I will be telling you the story of Brooke Schuyler Richardson. Brooke Schuyler Richardson was an 18-year-old woman living in her parents' home in Carlisle, Ohio. Her parents were Scott and Kim, and she had a younger brother named Jackson. The Richardsons were an upper-middle-class family, and Carlisle was a medium-sized town with a population of about 5,000 people, and Scott described it as a Mayberry-type place. Mayberry RFD. Yes. They lived in a beautiful house. The kids were both heavily involved in sports. Jackson was on the football team, and Brooke, who actually went by her middle name, Skylar, so that's what I'll call her from here on out, was a cheerleader. Now, if you look at a photo of Skylar, you will see that she looked exactly like you would imagine a star cheerleader to look. She was beautiful, petite, blonde, bubbly, and she was a flyer on the cheerleading team. Okay, I was not a cheerleader, so what is a flyer? Okay, so a flyer is the person that goes on top of the pyramids and is being thrown in the air. Since she was very petite, she had to stay that way to be easy to lift and easy to catch. Her mom, Kim, actually attributes this need to stay tiny to Skylar ultimately developing an eating disorder. Kim says it was probably around sixth grade when Skylar really started battling with her weight and she became really obsessive about her eating habits. Kim said that during cheerleading season, Skylar would throw up after she ate, and then when cheerleading season ended, she would binge and then starve herself. This eating disorder was no secret. Skylar's parents were very aware of the problem. They claimed they tried to get her help through doctors and nutritionalists, even therapy, and Skylar was eventually diagnosed with body dysmorphia. What is that? Okay. The Mayo Clinic describes this body dysmorphia as a mental illness involving obsessive focus on a perceived flaw in appearance. So she thinks she's fat when she's not. Yeah, I think we all have that to us some degree. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. For her, because of this unhealthy sensitivity to her weight and her appearance, Scott and Kim never felt comfortable bringing up weight with Skylar. So her weight would actually fluctuate a lot, but no one would ever talk about it as they didn't want to say or do anything that would further harm her self-esteem. In July 2016, then 18-year-old Skylar started dating a young man named Trey Johnson. It was a very short-lived relationship. She said they had sex twice, once with and once without using protection. After the relationship ended, the two stopped seeing each other, lost contact. Five months later, in January of 2017, Skylar had a new boyfriend named Brandon. Now, Brandon and Skylar got serious pretty quickly. Skylar's parents were thrilled because Skylar seemed so happy, she even started putting on a little weight. And this was a huge relief for them because it really seemed like that eating disorder, at least momentarily, was under control. In February, Kim took Skylar prom dress shopping and found a gorgeous red corset style gown. And it was perfect because it was a corset. It could be laced up in the back to accommodate any further weight gain or loss. In March, the family went on a spring break vacation to the beach. Skylar looked great. She appeared to be feeling great. 
She wore a two-piece bathing suit, all was well. When they got home from this vacation, Kim told Skylar that she knew things were heating up with Brandon and that Skylar really needed to get on birth control. So they made a doctor's appointment for April 26, 2017. Now this was Skylar's very first gynecological doctor's visit and us girls know those are never fun. No, they're not. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But especially when you are a young woman, it can be really nerve wracking. So because of this, Kim decided to go to the appointment with Skylar. However, she waited in the lobby while Skylar went into the examination room. Now, while she was with the doctor, Skylar answered all of the usual questions about whether or not she was sexually active, when her last period was. She told the doctor that she'd had a period just the month before. And keep in mind that women who have eating disorders can sometimes have irregular periods. She told the doctor she was there for birth control They wrote her the prescription, and while she was still in the office, they went ahead and sent it off to the pharmacy. During this visit, Skylar declined a pelvic examination. This doctor had the type of bedside manner that, especially with a young patient, he always asked if they were prepared for an exam, and if they said no or if they had any kind of reservations or were uncomfortable, he would just skip over the exam and have them make another appointment and come back when they were more prepared. He did, however, want to go ahead and do a urine pregnancy test. And I think I know where this is going. The test came back positive. Now, when the doctor told Skylar she was pregnant, she immediately started crying to the point where the nurses and patients in adjoining rooms could hear her. And she told the doctor, I can't have a baby. In an effort to comfort her, the doctor told her that people would line up to raise the baby. The doctor could see that she was really struggling with this news and he was also very concerned with the fact that they had no information on this pregnancy. There'd been no prenatal care. And so while she was in the office, the doctor measured Skylar's fundal height. I have had three babies. So I can tell you that measuring the fundal height in layman's terms is when the doctor has you lay on your back. And in my case, they always used a tape measure and they would measure the pregnant stomach. Now, Just ironically, the centimeters of the pregnant stomach should line up with the weeks pregnant. So in Skylar's case, she measured 32 centimeters, and therefore the doctor deduced she was about 32 weeks pregnant. Now, pregnancy is expected to last 40 weeks, so at this point, Skylar was pretty close to having a baby. In fact, the doctor told her she would be having a baby in about 10 weeks. Oh my God. The doctor did a quick ultrasound to both confirm that everything superficially looked okay with the baby. And he also later said that in cases like this where an expectant mother is struggling to accept the fact that she is pregnant, it can sometimes be helpful to have her look at an ultrasound and actually see a baby. Now this was a super quick ultrasound. He only took one measurement and did it to confirm that the baby was again subjectively about 32 weeks old. 32 weeks, wait a minute. That means the current boyfriend is not the father, right? Exactly. Yeah, she is pregnant with her ex-boyfriend's baby. He also measured the baby's heart rate. It was 140, and that is normal. He told Skylar that she needed to start prenatal care immediately, and he wanted to see her back ASAP for a formal ultrasound. However, after she left this appointment, she did not come back. Over the next several days and weeks, The doctor's office called her. She never responded or made any attempt whatsoever to receive any prenatal care. She never bought any baby furniture. She didn't buy diapers. 
No baby clothes, no bottles. She didn't tell a soul, not one single soul, that she was pregnant. Wait, not even her mother? No one. Not one person. That's crazy. Instead, she left the exam room, met her mom in the lobby. They went straight to the pharmacy and picked up the birth control prescription. And she started taking it. What? (laughs) Then they go home and Skylar Googles how to get rid of a baby. It was then that she learned she was too far along in her pregnancy to have an abortion. Sometime in the days after the initial doctor's visit, the doctor's office accidentally sent Skylar's lab results to Skylar's mom. So Kim naturally texts Skylar asking about this positive pregnancy and Skylar denied it. She said it was a mistake and that she would call the doctor later. Skylar's mom responded, you are scaring me and you better call them now. During this text exchange, Skylar keeps reassuring her mom that it's all a mistake and Kim responds with, I just want you to have a future. Go to college instead of raising a child and working. Oh my God. I'm going to stop for a minute because I want to tell you about a text message that Skylar's mom sent to Skylar the day before. Oh, the plot thickens. Mm. Kim texts Skylar. If you want, you can go to Planned Parenthood, but you have to pay out of pocket and the doctors are not quality. Your doctor is a surgeon and has been doing this for years. I am sick about it, but I have to do what is best for your future so you will have one. Oh my God. That kind of implies that she knew something, right? Yes. Very hard for me to get anything else out of that. Nine days after learning she is pregnant, Skylar goes to prom. And at this point, she's believed to be about 33, 34 weeks pregnant. Now, I want to show you a photo of Skylar in her prom dress from both the day she purchased it in February and then on the day she went to prom so that you can compare how she looked. So what do you think, Paula? Does she look eight months pregnant to you? Well, eight months? Mm. She definitely has a little tummy, but to me, I look like this on my wedding day. And I was not pregnant, but I was also mid-30s. And, you know, during the prom, Skylar's having some pretty intense cramping. And the entire next day, these cramps continue. She tells her boyfriend and her family that they are period cramps. She's actually in labor. Two days after this prom, Skylar gives birth to a baby girl. According to Skylar, the baby was born with no heartbeat and was not breathing. So after giving birth alone in her bathroom, Skylar takes the baby downstairs, goes to the garage and gets a shovel, takes the baby into the backyard where she digs a hole, lays the baby and the afterbirth in the hole, buries it, and puts a pot of flowers on top. Holy crap! She then goes back back inside, cleans up the blood and mess in her bathroom and her bedroom, never says a word to anybody about what just happened. Oh my god, I cannot believe this. This is insane. (laughs) This is a tough girl. I've had babies. It's not fun. I I wouldn't be able to do that. She's tough. Later that day, she goes to the gym, takes a selfie of her stomach, and texted that photo to her mother saying, I'm literally speechless with how happy I am. My belly is back. OMG, I am never, ever, ever letting get like this again. You're about to see me look freaking better than before. OMG. Oh my God. Priorities, people. She continues to text Kim throughout the day, 
I am literally so excited now just for dinner to wear something cute. Yay, my belly is back. Now I'm taking this chance to make it amazing. I'ma start weighing myself every week and getting serious about this like I'm about to be boss looking. Kim responded with could not be prouder in all caps. I have to wonder what Kim went through when she was a young girl. Like, did she have body issues or did her mom put pressure on her to look a certain way? I don't know, but it it does seem very strange to me that a woman would put so much emphasis on her daughter's weight knowing she has an eating disorder. I just don't think I would focus on her weight loss as much knowing that that's, you know, a trigger for her. But Exactly. About two months later, on or around July 13th, Skylar went back to the OBGYN for a follow-up and to get more birth control. Now, this time she saw a female doctor, but of course this doctor had her medical records and knew that she was just pregnant. So after meeting with Skylar for a few moments and noticing she was no longer pregnant, the doctor asked Skylar what happened. And this is allegedly the very first time she ever spoke of the baby to anyone. She started crying and told the doctor, I had to have the baby and it wasn't alive. I didn't kill her though. She told the doctor that she'd had a stillborn in her bedroom, saying she just came out, quote. She said she just tried to hold and see if she was breathing, but she didn't have a heartbeat. She said, I have to bury her. I can't tell anybody. So the doctors call police, and on July 14th, the police come to Skylar's house and meet with her dad, Scott, telling him that they need to talk to Skylar. She's not in any trouble, but they needed to talk to her about something she'd witnessed. Scott takes Skylar to the police station, and he said he had no idea what was going on. At the police station, Lieutenant John Fain with the Warren County Sheriff's Office questions Skylar. And he definitely plays the whole good cop angle, telling her he knows how hard it must have been for her to be so young, what a horrible burden she had to bear all alone. He obviously knew that she didn't do anything to hurt her daughter on purpose, etc. They question Skylar for about five hours, and while she's being questioned, investigators are at the Richardson home processing it as a crime scene and recovering the baby's remains in the backyard. It was at this time that Kim and Scott Richardson learned that their daughter had been pregnant and given birth, and poor Scott, he was in complete disbelief. Oh, I can't imagine. But Kim, she just kept talking about how Skylar's probably now going to go to prison. Now, after the baby's body is recovered, there was a very, very small amount of soft tissue, but mainly bones. Dr. Elizabeth Murray, a forensic anthropologist, examines the remains and says that she found evidence that the baby's bones had been burned. The assistant Warren County coroner, Dr. Susan Brown, ruled the death a result of homicidal violence of undetermined etiology. So undetermined etiology means that the examiner could not tell a specific cause of death, She would say in trial that because the remains were so decomposed and all that remained was bones, that she could not say how the baby died specifically. But taking all of the information that she had into account, she did rule it a homicide. So given this new evidence that the baby's body had been burned, the detectives bring Skylar in for another interview six days later. During this interview, she said she gave birth while sitting on the toilet. She gives a little more detail about the birth, saying it was possible that the cord had been wrapped around the baby's neck. She said she tried to catch the baby as she came out, but that she fell into the toilet and might have hit her head. When asked how long she thought she was in the water, at first she said she didn't remember, but then she said 
mm, two minutes maybe. They asked if she was moving, quote, did the baby kick or anything? And she said, maybe, but I didn't look. How do you not look? I don't know. It's yeah. very, no, it's yeah, very... You, even if you don't want to touch it, how can you not like look at it and go, holy cow, this just happened? I don't know. At one point, Skylar said that maybe she held the baby too tight. So when detectives questioned her more about that, she said, I didn't think she was breathing. I squeezed her. I think I'm the one who killed her. You think I killed her on purpose. The detectives tried comforting her and she said, I squeezed her. I loved her. They asked her if the baby ever made any noise. Specifically, they asked, did you hear a gurgle? And she said, well, I think she might have made a noise. Maybe a little noise. Maybe a gurgle. Now, I'm just going to point out here that she did use the term gurgle only after the detective used that term. Detectives tell Skylar that they know she tried doing something else with the baby, and they ultimately say, tell me about the fire. Skylar says, what fire? They tell her that there is evidence to show that she tried burning the baby. I watched this interview. I watched everything you can find. There was a very obvious mood change immediately when she is asked about burning the baby. Before that, she's, you know, really weepy and comes across as feeling, in my opinion, very sorry for herself. But as soon as they mention that she tried burning the baby, she snaps out of it. She immediately gets very serious and adamantly states that she did not try to burn the baby. And in my opinion, it feels very much like she's telling the truth, that there was no burning involved. She says, I didn't burn her. I promise you anything. My dad has lots of bonfires, but I didn't burn her. She was asked and denied burning the baby 17 times. Detectives kept pressing her about the fire because remember, they've been told that this baby was burned. Detective Brandy Carter even tried softening the allegation by saying things like cremation. Things like, you know, lots of people cremate their loved ones. Maybe you just wanted to be able to hold on to something, have some ashes. They even quoted the Bible verse, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. After this line of questioning continued and she was told that the baby's remains could not be released for a proper burial until she told the truth, she finally said, I thought I could cremate her. Later, she goes on to say that she put the lighter to the baby's foot, but decided she could not do it and stopped attempting cremation. That sounds fishy. Several other doctors and experts examined the remains. No one else found evidence of charring. And after further examination, Dr. Murray retracted her initial assessment of burning. Okay. So why does this matter? If, in fact, the baby had never been burned, I kind of think it's important to see that Skylar's coercible. She didn't burn the baby. The baby was never burned. But after being interrogated about it and really pressured into telling them that she did, she admitted to it. Right. And that happens a lot. Right. I have such a hard time imagining confessing to something so horrible if I didn't do it. But it does happen, like you said. And I personally think this is one of those times. So just keep that in mind that at least in the interrogation room, she can be a bit of a pushover. So if you apply that to her statement about the baby moving or gurgling, remember that term, gurgle, I kind of have to ask myself, is it possible that the baby really was stillborn? But because they kept talking about the baby moving and making noise and they planted it in her ear, did she just repeat it? I think it sounds very possible. So Skylar is indicted and she is tried in the Warren County Common Pleas Court. 
she could serve 20 years to life if convicted. And in some places, I even read that aggravated murder carries a mandatory life sentence, if not the death penalty in Ohio. She's released on $50,000 bond after spending the weekend in jail. She's given an ankle bracelet and placed on house arrest. Now, this case is obviously a tabloid frenzy. Press and protesters are constantly outside the Richardson home. They're constantly being photographed and they're receiving threats. Skylar is hated and labeled as a baby killer. The prosecution actually offers Skylar a plea deal. They'll drop the aggravated murder charges if she pleads to everything else. She could still serve 15 years, but that's a lot better than life. Uh, Skylar refused the deal, saying she's not going to plead to something she didn't do. They go to trial, and despite the good doctor changing her mind about the baby being burned, the prosecution actually kept that as part of their narrative since they had the confession, and they used it throughout the whole trial. The prosecution overall did a brilliant job of showing that Skylar viewed this pregnancy and baby as a total disruption of her life, and that she had not done anything to prepare for her arrival. They focus on the fact that they believe the baby was a full-term infant who had been born alive and either drowned, suffocated, or burned before being buried in the backyard. They focus on the irresponsible behavior of Skylar while she was pregnant, like taking birth control pills. They even mention that she might have taken all of them at once in an effort to miscarry. Oh, okay. They focus on her lack of prenatal care and disregard for the doctor's orders. The baby was apparently healthy 11 days prior to birth. They think the fact that she never told anyone of her pregnancy also points to her plan to remove the baby from the equation. They also mentioned how Skylar reportedly told the doctor she gave birth in her bedroom, but later told the police she gave birth in her bathroom. The defense revealed the baby's girl's name as Annabelle and really focused on Skylar's eating disorder, pointing to the fact that Skylar herself was not healthy and therefore might not have had a healthy pregnancy. They really focused on Skylar's coerced confessions, and they have experts come in to say that Skylar was a victim of sexual abuse. Um, apparently, she, she had had an unhealthy relationship with another boy a few years earlier, and there was some abuse involved. They said she was a people pleaser, and that she had personality disorders that made her easily manipulated and desperate to please authority figures like her parents and the police. Skylar's friends and family were called as witnesses. They testified about how Skylar was such a people pleaser that she would not return a wrong food order to the kitchen at a restaurant. They said if a bug got into a classroom, instead of killing it, Skylar would relocate it outside. Fellow students talked about how she would sit next to a student with autism at lunch so that he didn't have to sit alone and that she helped to coach a cheerleading team for children with special needs. They painted her as a very naive but kind person who just made several bad choices. Her lack of planning for the baby really had nothing to do with the fact that she didn't want the baby, but it was more because she was just young and ill-prepared for the world. During the closing statements, the defense team made some points that for me changed my entire view of the case. So I didn't know this, but they made it clear that legally, the only way to be able to render a guilty verdict was to believe that Annabelle was 100% born alive and then 100% murdered by Skylar. So what I mean by that is while watching the entire trial, I just kept thinking, even if she didn't strangle or drown the baby, I still believe that her lack of prenatal care, 
taking birth control pills, and who knows what else she may have done while pregnant, I would consider a quiet birth at home in your bathroom unsafe. All of these things could have led to Annabelle's death, apparently, and it does make sense after I thought about it further. Legally, even if she provided a completely unsafe environment for Annabelle while she was pregnant, and therefore Annabelle died, that's not murder, it's not illegal. So after an eight-day trial, Skylar is found. What do you think? I'm going to guess guilty. Not guilty. Oh, okay. For all charges, except for abuse of a corpse, for which she was sentenced to three years of probation and seven days in jail, which she had already served. During the sentencing, Trey's mother, so the biological father's mother, Annabelle's paternal grandmother, read a devastating victim statement about how Her first grandchild was born and died, and she never even knew she existed. She talked about how old Annabelle would have been and how she would have loved to have raised her if Skylar didn't want to. The judge spoke during sentencing about how he believed that if Skylar had made better choices, baby Annabelle would still be alive, but again, that's not how the law is written. He reminded her that if she broke the rules of her probation, there would be severe consequences, but if she adhered to them, This would all be over in three years, and she promised she would not be seeing him again. After trial, Annabelle's remains were finally released to Skylar and her family for a proper burial, but they were ordered to allow Trey Johnson's family access. Annabelle Richardson was buried in a private ceremony in Franklin, Ohio on September 26, 2019. If she had lived, she would have turned three years old this last May. Wow. So... What do you think, Paula? Okay, so many things. Okay, going back to the beginning, the mom, I have to wonder why she was so okay with or even suggesting Planned Parenthood. Like, she obviously felt or at least had an opinion that her daughter was pregnant. You knew she was having sex. You knew she was gaining weight. The doctor accidentally sent you records saying she's pregnant. Yeah, I'm, I'm calling shenanigans on that one. I think her mother knew, or at the very least, suspected she was pregnant. Uh, To me, that text was very telling. I generally do not like to jump on the whole blame the parents bandwagon. To me, this family seems to have the kind of attitude where it's like, if we don't look at it and we don't talk about it, it just doesn't exist. So very head in the sand. So I kind of think that she told Skylar to just, like, take care of it. And then... When they learned it was too late for an abortion, Skylar just decided to maybe handle it her own way. I agree. I think she was actively trying whatever she could. Right. Why would you take birth control when you're seven months pregnant? I want to go back to Trey, her first boyfriend. If she's having another man's baby, that's a great motive for murder. (laughs) I absolutely agree. Yeah, she really, really loved Brandon. So... Was she afraid that having some other man's baby might be cause for him to leave her? I don't know. Seems valid. Yeah, I agree. I personally have a hard time imagining someone giving birth to a perfect little baby and then drowning or strangling her. But at the same time, I've given birth three times and there is a point in labor. The last one, I mean, I went 12 hours with no pain meds. Right before that baby comes out... All I can think about was something's wrong. Something's wrong. Can't not imagine doing that alone. Knowing my mommy's in the next room, 
there was only one outcome in her mind. Right. And she had to get back to her skinny belly as soon as possible. Right. And if, and to me, it felt like nothing was going to stand in her way. And then the whole, like, oh, something may have been wrong. I mean, I get that. She's young. She's naive. I was 21 when I had my son. If your baby falls into a toilet or on the floor or isn't breathing, your first instinct, in my mind, would not be, let me go bury it in the backyard. It would be, call for help, call an ambulance, get get help. I don't know. That is very strange to me. That's an odd go-to response. And then there's this other thing that I did not tell you, but for me, is kind of huge. When she buried the baby, she didn't wrap her up in anything. And to me, that just seems so removed emotionally. I mean, even serial killers sometimes cover their bodies. Oh, that is weird. And when they do, what's the first thing we say? Oh, it points to some sort of attachment. Right, they cared for that person in some way. You don't even care for your own daughter enough to, like, wrap her up? To me, that was very strange and very, very cold. Um, I do think that Skylar was responsible for her death in whatever manner, I think, either through lack of care or irresponsible behavior while pregnant. And I think her behavior afterwards is very scary. That is the case of Brooke Skylar Richardson. So what have you got going on? Anything fun? Chit chat time. As you've seen by my living room, I've been decorating for Halloween, my absolute favorite time of the year. Uh, mine too. I, when I walked in, I was like, what did I say immediately? Like, oh my gosh, this makes me so happy. Yeah. It even smells like Halloween, which is one of the things that made you and I uh, become such fast friends is our mutual love for Halloween and all things spooky. And so I love it. It was definitely my happy place coming in. It it's made me want to go home and pull all my bins out. I love it. You have more to do? I do. I've, I've got some bigger things to put on the walls, but they don't really fit in the bins. So they're in a different, you know, garbage bag laying flat on the floor. So I have to pull that out and figure out where everything is going to go. And keep in mind, I wish you guys could see this because literally there's Halloween everywhere in her house. Wall art, your normal wall art has been removed and there's different, there's Halloween themed wall art. It's everywhere. So the fact that she has more is just <laughs> a little crazy. It's crazy, but it's, <laughs> it's crazy, but it's, I love it. I love it. It's so cool. You have way more Halloween stuff than you have any other holiday. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I've got like 18 boxes of Halloween and maybe two for Christmas. <laughs> so good. Let me tell you what my little three-year-old did. We go through a lot of bananas at our house. Like bananas are the snack of choice. So it's me, my three-year-old, and my infant. And we're out of bananas. So we stop at this little mom and pop organic grocery store. And normally, um, like when we're in Target or something like that, you pay for the banana. It's like a set price per banana. You know, 29 cents or whatever. And they let you eat one in the store. But this particular store that we're at, like they weigh it. So you can't just grab a banana and eat it while you're going through the store. My three-year-old, as we're getting to the cash register to pay, wants to eat a banana. And I tell him, let mommy pay for it. I'm about to pay for it. He goes into full meltdown mode and starts screaming and then literally runs from the checkout line towards the other side of the store. Meanwhile, I have my infant in a car seat in the cart in front of me. So I literally tell the cashier, watch my baby. And then I just go running for this three-year-old. So I finally catch him. Of course, the entire store is watching me with the screaming running child. 
I bring him back to the checkout line. I'm humiliated. The cashier has now at this point rung up the bananas and in an effort to try to placate my son, hands him a banana. He threw this thing, I'm not lying, 30 feet. It landed 30 feet away. The line behind us is backing up. People are looking at me like I'm the worst mom in the world. I am absolutely embarrassed. I mean, I cannot get out of there fast enough. We finally get out of there fast. I have never in my life been so embarrassed. So now every time we drive by that store, this little cutie, because he is, he's the cutest thing, says so sweetly, look, mommy, it's the banana store. <laughs> that is his memory of that event. And every time I drive by, I'm like, I can never go in there again. So yeah, that's, that's my life. That's what I deal with on a weekly, daily basis. Well, thanks guys for listening. Thanks for tuning in. This is Cynthia and Paula, and we are Dolls and Doom. Woo-hoo.